0: listening to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert Race podcast. So listen up now.
1: G'day everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Warriors in the Dust, because uh, this episode we're dedicating the whole show to one guest, but we think he's worth it.
2: Like Rick was just saying, it is my first podcast. I've had plenty of people trying to track me down and I make it hard for them to get hold of me, but um, Rick's a good friend, so we'll make this one happen for you.
1: Rick Hall, two-time Think Bike champion, joins me for this conversation with a true champion. And Rick, we think the man we're about to meet is such a legend of the off-road racing world. We need a whole half hour to cover his achievements and to pick his brain on some of the things he's learned along the journey. Rick, what do you think? Is I half think we hour... need
0: more than half, an... no, that. it's not enough, mate. It's no. not enough. I was about but to he say he doesn't say a lot. He doesn't say a lot, and apparently this is his first podcast. So, so, um, so yeah, we 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 can hang our head on that just to start, just to get him to say g'day, mate. We'll be going all right.
1: <laughs> well, we're honoured. Just for the listeners out there, I guess the man of. Uh, most people's consciousness right now is Toby Price, and he offers a pretty strong case uh, to be considered perhaps Australia's greatest off-road racing legend on a bike. But the man we're about to meet has a pretty good record too, and his name is Ben Grabham. Ben, welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, like Rick was just saying, it is my first podcast. I've had plenty of people trying to track me down and I make it hard for him to get hold of me but um, Rick's a good friend so we we'll make this one happen for you.
1: I really appreciate it Ben, um, absolutely do and uh, thanks to Rick as well. Ben if I could just start off first of all just by going through some of your career highlights, jump. feel free to jump in if I uh, have got something a little inaccurate but You won or were part of the winning international six-day enduro in 1998. That was individual. That was class. So that was on a 254
2: stroke. Keep going. Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 That's why we've got you. (laughs) Two times Australian four-day enduro outright champion. One-time Australian Supermoto champion. I didn't realise that. Four-time Australian long track champion. Four-time Fink Desert Race champion, obviously. Three-time Australian Safari champion. Two-time Hatter Desert Race champion. Anything we've missed or needs correcting there?
2: No, that all sounds pretty good so far.
1: Is there a highlight there? For, oh, actually, I've missed two that you finished 15th outright in the Dakar as well which was 2013 i think
2: yeah that was um my first go after coming off a broken back the easter before that so um no it was i've had a good career racing to be honest as you can see from them results and and as you're saying before now there's no there's no one event that stands out from the other obviously the first time i've won any of these big events is very special to me especially like fink and Safaris and and four days and events like that, but um, I just love racing a motorbike. As you can see, with all the different disciplines,
0: I thought I would have thought that Ben, your your first win at Fink would have been a real highlight. And uh, was that the one that you finished with only four gears in the Honda? Is that the one? Yes. Yeah, yeah
2: that was the one. I would. I first time I came out here, I got a fifth and then a third and. And in 2007, I spent a bit of my own money and a lot of my own time up here just learning the track and trying to work out what I needed to do. So yeah, the first one was was pretty special. I got down to think and I think I only had like a 30-second lead over Branford and uh, he was the reigning champ, so I knew he'd be chasing me on the way home and I took off from the start there and uh, I was clicking gears and... Dodge and I think a local's dog at the time and <laughs> and I didn't know if I'd missed the gear or whatever but anyway we went to some twists and turns and went a bit further and went through the Fink River and realized that um, fifth gear which was top gear on the Honda was no longer and um, we just had to hold it flat out in fourth and hope for the best and and we did that year and I think Branford chased me the whole way but I uh, managed to get me first win and yeah it, it is one of the most special ones I've had but I think a lot of the big events, like we race for eight days in Safari and, and some of the challenges I've had in other events to work through to win them there,
0: yeah, they all hold a special place, but things but pretty cool, the whole, the whole thing when you look at it. One more thing I was going to ask, Ben, is um, one that you didn't mention was he, he, he comes up here and races deep well, which is a tough race, and he ma- managed to deal with Dean Ferris one year, and I think when they see each other, they still talk about how tough that is. I think you should ask him how tough it was. Well, how tough was it, been? Yeah, that was um, hell for me,
2: I think, to be honest. I think, it must be getting older, I think how many I've done now. Um, I think the first, yes, yeah, so I've done three deep wells and the first two of them, I got second. First time was to uh, local boy Branford and then the second time was to Ferris. And both those times I just suffered. Um, when you can see, I've got red hair and white skin. I'm definitely not designed for summertime in, in Alice Springs, but um, that was another one where I've done my homework for the third time when I come up here. And and to be honest, since that, that time and working out how to handle the heat, it's um, now become one of my strengths, being able to, to ride in stupid hot conditions and survive it. And, yeah, I, I do speak to – every time I do speak to Ferris, which is not much – we always speak about um how crazy hot that race is.
1: That is pretty crazy. I'm just yeah. going to take you back to the Fink for a moment and just go through your record there so the listeners um, can understand what your achievements are there. In 2006, you finished third on a Honda CRF 450R. Well, then you won 07, 08 and 09. And the first two of those were on a Honda CRF and then you switched to KTM. 2010, what happened there? Is that a DNF, Ben?
2: Yeah, I was, um, I don't know, roughly 5Ks from the
1: finish line down,
2: down at Fink on the first day. And that was the first year we had young Toby Price up here. So me and him were, were battling pretty hard at the time. And I just pushed the the early... The early days on the KTMs, they weren't super reliable, but they were pretty damn fast. And, um, yeah, my thing blew up um, before I got to, to battle with him the second day.
1: And then in 2011, you have another win. So you've won two on a Honda and two on a KTM. Um, was there much a, of a difference riding for the different manufacturers or what, what was it like switching and why did you do that?
2: During those years, both for those bikes were uh, top machines like the race through the desert. <clears throat> but um, when I was with Honda, they'd pretty much come used uh, accustomed to winning and, and KDM was, I wouldn't say desperate, but they were willing to throw a lot more into it behind the scenes and, and with testing and everything. And um, I believe they had, from all the testing and everything I'd done back home, I believe they had a very good bike. It wasn't known to be super, super reliable, but it was a very good package to ride. So I switched at the time and got quite a few nasty messages and things like that from some of the locals because Honda was the, the bike to be on and KDM um, was not at the time, but the rest is history. And uh, yeah, it was it was good to be a part of that. I think a few years ago, people still remembered the, the big switch over, but these days it's just everyone looks like you've got to be on a, the KDM would be up the front here, but back in the day, it wasn't like that. It was once upon a time, I was Honda, and, and then I was
0: a big part of that change. The year you won, you broke your hand on the way down, mate. Is that you, the last no, year? last year, 2011. last year, 2011, was that a lot of fun riding home with a broken hand? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot,
2: a lot of that was the year before. You put in so much effort to do well at an event like Fink. Like I, a lot of times, like it wasn't my year wasn't based around it but I used to put a big percentage of of my effort and everything into doing well I think and um yeah in 2010 obviously blew up when me and Toby were battling and then 2011 me and Toby were battling again and and got a hand injury and I don't know I was at the point where I'd put too much effort in and and if the bike still ran and I could still make it work some way or another um I did and and I jumped back on as after Toby went past me because he was in second and as fate had it, um, he didn't make it much further than what I would just made the year before and he blew up. So I, um I now had like a roughly, I don't know, eight minute lead over my teammate, Jared Bewley. And, and I uh, went to bed that night, didn't really tell anyone in the team um, what I'd done to myself or what I thought I'd done to myself. Cause I didn't want my teammates smelling blood and having that extra drive to try and overtake me, so kept it a little bit secret and made up a bit of a splint on a glove. i still got it at home with some quick steel to stop me thumb from flopping around and my hand from blowing off the handlebars. And I just remember gritting the teeth and, um, yeah, think things huge for us. Like I suppose when you look at it like that, I was willing to to ride, you know, I don't know, close to three hundred kilometres with a pretty mangled up hand to chase that win but looking back now it was um worth every bit of pain to be honest
1: is that something you've just got to accept when you're in this kind of sport that you will get hurt and then you're just going to have to work through it oh
2: i like to not think that way It, it does happen quite a bit but um i like to think if you train hard and do everything properly you can try and avoid those ones like what kept me going was all the hard work I had done the previous 12 months that every other part of my body could take up the slack for what my hand wasn't doing. But yeah, I, I,
0: you don't want to approach racing thinking you're going to get injured, but yeah, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> there's a big chance of it for sure. One thing we should know too, Murray is that not only was Ben competing, he was also training up his teammates on how to do well at things. So Jared Bewley and Ty Simmons and Toby Price, they all learned from Ben. So, uh, So uh, KDM has a lot to be thankful for as far as uh, Ben is concerned.
1: And you're still doing that today, I believe, Ben, in a venture after racing, Uh, you're training up people. Do you get a lot of satisfaction by seeing those ones you've trained do well?
2: Yeah, I do. I suppose, like, that's where I doubled in it in early days with teammates. And when I did go to be KDM um, off-road team manager, and, yeah, now I've got Grubbo's Trail and Track, and, I enjoy it. Like, um, to be honest, I like I, I do like working with the top riders, but I also get a big kick from um, a full-on rookie coming here and and being over forty. And his goal is just to make it in the in the the four-hour cutoff. And and like I yeah, I love it. To be honest, I love getting out there and and seeing their face when they see how brutal the track is and how hard work it is their first ride out there. But It's uh, very rewarding and enjoyable just just working with riders and passing on the knowledge that I've gained over the years.
1: It's about now in the show that we usually turn to Rick for his tip – And if this is your first time listening to Warriors in the Dust, Rick Hall gives us the benefit of his decades of experience riding the Fink Desert Race track on a whole variety of dirt bikes, uh, not to mention his two titles, to provide a tip for would-be competitors. So maybe the only way to get better advice is for a two-time Fink champion to ask a four-time Fink champion, Ben Grabham,
0: for a tip. Someone who's never ridden Fink, we, you and I talk about this a lot and we want them to stay safe. What's the best advice you could give them?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing <laughs> I had a few guys on the phone co- um, today is is just these, whether it's your first two days on the track or three days or whatever, just take it super easy. Um, I've had so many mates come here and I can tell them a hundred times and they just look at me laugh. And when I see them coming back into town with their um, broken collarbone and that, I've, my giggle to myself because obviously they didn't bloody listen when when i tell them how nasty this place can be when when you don't know what to do out there so the biggest thing is just start off super super slow um it looks so easy when you watch a a think dvd or footage on youtube or whatever of toby and the boys out there it looks looks almost effortless but when you get out there and if you have a crash at any kind of speed on a think track it um it really really hurts
1: Four-time Fink champion Ben Grabham helping two-time champion Rick Hall out with his tip there. And in a moment, our conversation with Ben Grabham, the sole focus of this episode of Warriors in the Dust, continues. Someone like myself who I've, I've ridden one but i'm not a rider i just did it for the challenge and i i fail to comprehend how you guys do ride so quick what's going on in your brain or is it nothing <laughs> how do you compute distances size of whoops um speeding up slowing down how does that all compute in your brain or can't you explain it no i can
2: like um oh everyone's different like i can I won't name them but there's a few guys out there I'm pretty sure that do put their brains in their back pockets and swap all the way (laughs) down the track and back but um nah for me it's always like I haven't been up here since 2019 and I'll be on the track tomorrow working with a few guys and hey I'll just take it steady until I start feeling good and it's just ride yourself into what feels safe and luckily for me safe once I do spend a lot of time on the track is pretty damn fast but um unless I feel safe I just just take it easy and over the years like I think it was 2005 was my first time here during that time I've only had touchwood two crashes on the think tracks so I'm not I don't like to think of myself as a wild one out there it's more try to be calculated and it's more a matter of having a good bike set up whether it's working with someone like Greeny here in town and um just just knowing your bike and what it's capable of out there and and feeling good that's that's how I've always worked on the Fink track
0: Ben did you ever want to race Fink earlier I heard rumors in 02 that you wanted to race and that was one of the years that I won and I was pretty grateful that you didn't come that year <laughs> but it was it that early that you didn't you didn't race is it you had office to come yes yeah, so 02 I was riding for Yamaha and we had
2: the strange four day over in WA and I don't know I reckon I had an entry in because I had um a WR426 at the time with I don't know probably gearing that there's no way in the world it would have pulled it would have if it ever did it would have done about 300 kilometers an hour which there's no way it would have got there but yeah we done the four day in WA and I won that event outright and um it was me and my man and won our way back home and it was a stupid timeline. I think we had like a day or something to get up here for for prologue. And I remember getting to the turnoff there at Port Augusta and we sort of looked at each other and I don't know, I was probably still hungover from the four day or something and, and we're just like, Yeah, no, nah, this is this is not gonna happen. But I don't think I would have gave um, Rick, let alone anyone in the top five a hurry up back then. Just <laughs> it was I thought I liked going fast, but um, 2005, when I first come here, this is, this is a different kind of fast. It's crazy fast. And back then, I would have I um, yeah come up here thinking I was pretty hot shit after winning the four day, but I reckon I would have went home with my tail between my legs. But um, yeah, I definitely had it on the radar way back then. It was just a matter of piecing it together and eventually getting up here.
1: You mentioned there that think um, is a different kind of fast. You've raced in all sorts of events around the world, uh, Dakar. I still can't believe you finished fifteenth outright in a comeback race after breaking your back. But how does your approach change for the different races? And uh, I guess in particular Dakar, how's the bike difference? Different. How's your training different? What? How do you approach these different types of events?
2: Yeah, well, like think back in the day, I suppose everyone used to this was a reasonably long race but in um the big scheme of things these days with how good the bikes are and everything with how much testing and that we do think it's more like a motocross race like you're doing your half an hour warm up in the morning and just going flat out from that green light to the finish line whereas some of your bigger events like the dakar or australian safari and and that yeah you definitely do pace yourself a lot more um the bikes the bikes are pretty damn reliable these days like most bikes it doesn't matter the brand they're all more than capable of doing long distances flat out so um it's more a matter of just just looking after your body and and yeah i'm not i wouldn't go into all the different details of training and things like that but you get freaks like toby that I don't. He says he trains, but I haven't come yet to see him train. <laughs> but then you get guys, you get guys like Daniel Sanders who got fourth in um this year's Dakar, and yeah, he works his butt off and does everything you need to do to be an endurance athlete. And um yeah, there's no secrets. there. Yeah. it's it's all hard work and dedication and um staying away from all the all the things that you want to do as a young fella and out with your mates and have fun. You just got to sacrifice things and and work hard for it.
1: You just mentioned uh it's all hard work and it's always fraught with danger sort of uh, trying to sum someone up from the outside but my impression uh, i used to cover the fink a little bit during that period when you were winning them but my impression was that you were incredibly focused incredibly prepared incredibly well and you concentrated on the race itself on the preparation and, and not much else is that how you approached it and do you think that's what gave you the edge over some others?
2: Yeah, definitely. For me, that's a good way of putting it. Like I'm sure there's other people that would have just said I was an asshole, um back in the day, but <laughs> no, that's exactly how it is. Like um, I pretty much had me blinkers on and um, yeah, it's not that I didn't have time for people. It's just for me to operate at a hundred percent on the thing track. I just didn't want to be, sidetracked so with anything. Um I'd yeah, like I'd finish one year and and um try and work out every little one percenter I could for the following year to do better. And a lot of time it was just focusing on me. And um yeah it, it could look like I was rude or arrogant or something like that now that I get older and look at it. But it it solely was just mate, I just wanted to do everything I could to win this race. And and that's what I'd do. Um I just, I don't know, even these days, and that I still, like, uh, I want to try and get back on the start line for Fink, um, whether it's this year or next year or whatever. And, yeah, I still find myself doing little things like that where I just um, switch off the phone or whatever it is and and just worry about trying to trying to get the best result I can because once I crossed that finish line, if I did get third and I knew that I'd done everything I could to do well, I was happy. Um, it was only if I'd got second but knew knew i'd messed around or friggin got sidetracked or didn't get proper sleep or something like that then i'd be pretty dirty on myself yeah
1: can you go for a casual ride or is everything a race
2: no no i I love casual riding like 95 percent of my riding these days is casual and i love riding a motorbike more than ever to be honest but yeah i still i still line up for a monthly flat track at home and, and get that racing lining up with people elbows up and bar banging out of the way and
0: um it's yeah it's it's a little urge i've still still got in there for sure back in the day we had the road section in Fink, and um i love flat track and ben's really good at it and one if you love flat track you'd love that road section did was it in there when you raced ben
2: yeah so 05 was my first year and we jumped on the road there at deep well and to be honest yeah i loved it i I still remember it to this day. I was on a 450 Honda and I think it was Buffy Cole or someone on a CR 500. And I just ate his dust and the odd rock for the whole way along there. But yeah, I, a lot of these young guys, when I talk about Fink, I still think of it as in those road sections. They're they what made it so unique and special to me. And um, yeah, they, they, they were hard work, as flat as they were, but they were so much fun.
1: Rick Hall aside, um, who are some of the greatest uh, competitors and riders that you might have uh, seen or raced against?
2: Oh, obviously the first time when I came up here, it was um, a big eye-opener. Like you, you still had Rick and um, Greeny and and those crews sort of tapering off on their career and, and they were still getting around faster than what I was. And then to be honest, um, and I don't know if I've ever even said this on record, I've said it to a lot of people, but the biggest one eye-opener uh, no, to me was um, Ryan Branford. Like, he was younger than me at the time and I remember going down the track and he was probably about as much of an athlete as Toby at the time and um, yeah, just rode amazing through the whoops and I remember the first two years like oh, obviously he won there in 06 and I just remember thinking I've got to learn to ride these whoops like him and, and I sort of did to be honest. I remember watching what he was doing and trying to make it work even though I was a different size but yeah, guys like Ryan and then uh, even Wonka at the time, he was he was always strong up here, and one of those solid guys, always sort of battling for podiums. And and then through to um, someone like Toby, that can still win today. I was um, he was obviously the the guy that dragged me along to the next level, or made me push to the next level. And um, these days, as a whole, Walsh well, well, is not really a new generation, but he's still there hanging on, and it's it's good to see a lot of new young guys coming through for sure.
0: I'm just really grateful to Ben that he can do this for us. He's just jumped out of, he's just driven up from Bathurst via Melbourne, and uh, it's been a long trip, and he's probably ready to hit the swag. And uh, so I'm grateful for him to to come and do this with us, mate.
1: Well, I think it's pretty unsocial, Rick, that you don't offer him a bed. You're putting him in the swag, are you out the back or something?
0: <laughs> no, um, he he, gets, he has a an affectionate nickname from me. It's called the PCD, um, <laughs> which is. Uh, which I can talk to talk to people about that later, but he, he always does things on a low budget, gets them done really well, and uh, and and always just just without any fuss he gets it done. So so he's a, he's not only a really gifted rider, he's a, he's a doer, which is probably what's got him to where he is today.
1: Fantastic. All right. Well, Ben Grabham, thank you so much. We're honoured that this is your first podcast, and uh, we we know you're. It's not your favourite thing uh, to do these things, so we really appreciate your time. We wish you the best of luck for the future, and uh, congratulations on a glittering career.
2: No, thank you. Um, no, I I'd, I'd fun to be honest doing it tonight. It's not that I hate doing these things. I'm just a bit selective sometimes, so I give my time to and. <laughs> Um, no, it's been fun to be honest. And um, no, I I, um, I love think, and it's um, a big part of my year even now, not racing. And I
0: look forward to coming back here year after year. To be honest,
1: fantastic. And thanks to you too,
0: Rick Hall. Thanks, Murray and uh, Ben, and I are sitting on the back veranda doing this podcast, and the views magnificent, and the weather's nearly just as good. So, so no, it was was very easy to do tonight, Murray.
1: You're rubbing it in now, Rick. Uh, thank you to you both and uh, thank you for contributing uh, in a fantastic way to a great episode of Warriors in the Dust. What a career Ben Grabham has had. A four-time winner of the Fink Desert Race and an honour here for us of Warriors in the Dust, the first podcast he's ever agreed to an interview with. We could have taken up a whole hour, really. Six weeks to go now until the big race near Alice Springs in the Northern Territory on the Queen's birthday long weekend. And more great interviews coming up on the Fink Desert Races' official podcast, Warriors in the Dust. Until then, stay safe, be happy and go fast.
0: You've been listening to Warriors in the Dust, the official Fink Desert race podcast. Move along now.